Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 23, I can tell you already this is going to be a two-part message. (laughs) So you'll just have to come back and get part two. Matthew 23. Have you ever felt the Lord speak to you regarding something that you were to do? Maybe Maybe it's even going into this new year. Maybe the Lord's challenged you or spoken to you about things that's to come or things that are to happen. And you feel like you just hit a wall. You feel like you just hit the barrier. Even though you know the Lord's speaking to you, you feel the, you feel the opposition against you. Anybody ever felt that way? Am I the only one? <laughs> you, you start, maybe, maybe the Lord, you, you start off the year this year, you've started off the year, and just maybe you've said, God, I feel like I'm going to get in the Word more. I'm going to have a, I want a hunger, increase hunger for your presence and in, increase hunger for your Word. And what's the very first thing that happens? football or some sort of sporting event or family event or whatever, something happens. Distraction happens. Opposition happens. I'm going to be at church every Sunday. That, let me tell you, that is a great, (laughs) I want to encourage you in that. I'm going to be at church faithful every Sunday. I'm going to be a giver this year. Those are great things. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to tithe and be a giver this year. And all the tithers are saying amen. <laughs> and then the, what's the first thing that happens? I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to be a giver. And you get the bills. And the bills outweigh the tithe and the income and everything else. And, oh, God, I can't tithe. Anybody been there before? Matthew 23, I want to take a look. Jesus gives us some indicators of some of these religious barriers. These are the eight woes that Jesus gives to the religious crowd. And I'm going to describe for you, like I said, I don't think I'm going to get into the overcoming part, but I want to give you a description of of what these religious barriers look like. maybe, Maybe this morning you might see Uh, a little bit of yourself mirrored here in the scripture that Jesus is speaking as he's speaking to these religious leaders. Maybe maybe you'll identify a a bit of yourself in them. Maybe there's a perception that you have, or maybe there's an attitude that you have, or maybe there's a person in your life, or, or a situation in your life, or an atmosphere, or an environment in your life that represent or or look like maybe some of this. So we'll take a look. In Matthew 23, in verse 13, we'll start off. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You'll notice a theme here. Jesus was very direct and pointed at these uh, uh, woes. For you devour widows' houses, And for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, you blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whosoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Wow. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. 
blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and are uncleanness. Even so, you are outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Y'all should shout amen in all of this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth." From the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar, assuredly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. <laughs> wow. Jesus had a lot to say to the Pharisees that day. <laughs> and in, in, the mid, in the midst of all that he said, we can pick up some descriptions of these religious barriers, you can say, religious spirits, religious perspectives perspectives that were controlling the Pharisees and still haunt us today. If you take a look around, take a look on the inside of you, you might find today, as I go through and describe some of these, some of these religious barriers or religious influences lurking in the depths of your heart. Number one, the religious leaders, these barriers influences, they talk about God, but do not love God. They talked about God. These religious leaders talked about Him, but they did not love Him. If you were to ask them, do you love God? I'm sure that their response would have been, oh yeah, look. And they begin to tell you how they love God based on all that they do or how they appear. But there is not a genuine love that's overflowing out of their heart. Verse 13 said this, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. They had a form of godliness that was based on ritual and repetition, but they had no delight in God or joy in God themselves, and they wouldn't allow others to experience the joy and delight in God either. Religious barriers will always steal your joy of your salvation. They will always try to rob you. If your Christianity today is not happy, it's not joyful, then you've lost the joy of your salvation. Your salvation is happy. God is a happy God. He is a joyful God. And He wants you to enjoy Him and delight yourself in Him. Religious folks will project shame and guilt over your past. They'll project shame and guilt over your present and over your future. They will tell you that miracles aren't possible in your life because somehow or another you've blown it. Reality check. You have. (laughs) You blew it before you were ever born. (laughs) Before you ever stepped into this, this earth, this life, you were born into sin. And it is only by the grace of God that you are able to experience a miracle in your life or the touch of God in your life anyway. So just agree quickly and move on. Yep, I blew it, but I'm still going to get my miracle because it ain't based on me. (laughs) These barriers will tell you what's not possible. When you're facing the supernatural, when you're standing at the precipice of impossibility with the Lord, they will tell you everything that you can't do and why you can't do it. They talk about God, but don't love Him. When you're in love with God, you see by the eyes of faith. These don't see through the eyes of faith because they don't have faith. 
Matthew 23 says this, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The greatest commandment, love God. Get rid of the idols. Matthew 18.3, assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Maturity in the kingdom of God, we just talked about it, has nothing to do with your age, has everything to do with your heart, right. has everything to do with what you're allowing God to do on the inside of you and change you, to rework you, yield, how many times do we say yield to God, yield to Him, allow Him to change you, allow Him to transform you, dig deeper in the Word of God, dig deeper into His presence, become like a child who's in love with their father. When Jesus steps in the room, do your eyes light up? You know, when I, walk, when I walk into the room, Jonathan's eyes, he follows me. He knows exactly where I'm at. I might not even make a sound, but when I walk in the room, my son, Jonathan, knows where I'm at in that room, and he'll find me. His eyes will find me in the room, and he'll watch. Why? Because he knows his daddy. He knows his daddy's voice. He knows his daddy's smell. He knows his daddy's walk. He, why? I am his daddy and he loves his daddy. Is that the case with you and your heavenly father? When he walks into the room, do you know it? Or are you like those who've gone on before and said, surely he was here and we knew it not? Are, are your, is your heart inflamed with God? Religious barriers, religious influences will talk about God, but don't really love Him. Number two, religious barriers appear to be spiritual, but are counterfeit. They appear, they look spiritual. Verse 14 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. The emphasis here in what Jesus is saying is that their motivation was manipulation. Everything always had an ulterior motive, and it was for personal gain. Religious leaders of that day were forming alliances with the poor in order to rob from them and to steal from them. There was, there was ulterior motives. There was manipulation involved. Religious, religious barriers, religious influences will manipulate you to take advantage of you. They appear spiritual by praying three-hour-long prayers. Some of, the, some of the historians said that, th that they were talking about three- or four-hour-long prayers that these religious leaders would pray and to carry. Can you imagine? You know, we get annoyed when we're in church and the pastor preaches for 30 minutes. Can you imagine some religion? I'm just going to stand up here and just pray for three or four hours. And, I mean, if it was God, that would be one thing. But, but these religious leaders were carrying on making a scene, mo trying to manipulate the crowds. Religious barriers will try to isolate you instead of you seeing your potential in the body of Christ. They'll try to get you alone, try to pull you into a place of isolation, tell you that you're an island, make you feel like no one else understands, no one else cares. They will prevent you from having positive relationships. They want you to be with them. They want you to hang out with them and them only so that they can manipulate you, so that they can steal from you and tell you what you can't do and why you won't do and what impossibilities are ahead of you. Matthew 18, 6 says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to tie a millstone around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's how Jesus feels about that. Religious barriers number three will propagate dead religion. Verse 15 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you. <laughs> That's pretty strong words. Jesus had pretty strong words for the Pharisees. Religious leaders of that day were going and they were trying to make converts to Judaism, and how they were doing it was by using enticing, cunning, crafty words to make people feel like they needed to be a part of Judaism. And then what they would do is they wouldn't tell them the full gospel, the full truth. They would manipulate them, tell them what they wanted to hear to inflate their numbers, and then steal money from them, manipulate them for money. Sound familiar to anyone? 
We call this, in today's church world, a gospel light church, seeker, overly seeker, friendly church that's preaching a message to attract crowds to gain money. This is not the church of the gospel. The Jewish writers were saying of these converts that they were the scabs of Israel and they hindered the coming Messiah because of their great wickedness. What was happening is the religious leaders were telling them what they wanted them to know to get them to be a part of their fellowship but would never preach the full gospel and so they continued on in their sin and their wickedness. And so they were, they were being converted but not living out the gospel. And that's why Jesus said, you are making them twice as much as a son of hell as you. It's getting quiet in here today. These people who are influenced, people who are influenced by this religious barrier will become disillusioned with church and God when their religious leaders don't act according to their expectations. Their mindset and idea of church and spirituality is summed up in the person they follow, not in God himself. What they do for their spirituality and their Christianity, if you will, is based on the person behind the pulpit telling them what they want to hear or what they think they need to hear, and it generates a sense of spiritual protection, but it is nothing more than false lies, false teaching, lies. And when God doesn't act according to how they think, They become disillusioned with church because they feel like, after all, can't I tell God what to do anyway? I mean, I'm praying, after all. God responds by my prayer. I tell him what he needs to do. And so these people who become influenced by this religious barrier are okay with this alliance of manipulation because in exchange for their money and their resources, they get a sense of spiritual security. But it's lies. Dead religion. James 1, 26-27 says this, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Orphans and widows, visiting orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Number four, another another identifier or mark of religious barriers in your life, influences in your life, are that they are deceptive and they lack integrity. Verse 16 through 22 says, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater? The gold of the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater? The gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by whom by him who dwells in it and he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it in other words what was happening is these these religious leaders were saying that if you swear by the temple or you swear by the altar you're making a covenant that you don't have to keep If you make a covenant with someone and you swear by the temple or the altar, you don't have to keep that covenant. But if you swear by the gift that's on the altar or the gold that's in the temple, then you can keep that covenant. You're obliged to perform that. And Jesus condemned this practice and said, Woe to you, you Pharisees and scribes, you are blind. He calls them twice, blind guides and blind fools. Why? They were deceived. They were operating in deception. And the unfortunate about deception is that you don't know that you're deceived until you have a revelation that you're deceived. That's the nature of deception. You're blind. These religious barriers are deceptive and they lack integrity. They will tell you one thing to get your attention and to appeal to you, but they will live and operate in another way. Mark 14:55 says that now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death. While Jesus is preaching, they are working behind the scenes manipulating people 
to testify against Jesus that they might put him to death. And Matthew 12, 14 says, Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Religious. Fifth indicator of religious barriers is that they bring condemnation according to the minors of the law, yet they live by minoring on the majors of the law. This is what Jesus said to them. In verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What is Jesus saying by that straining out a gnat while swallowing camel? In other words, you are majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. Jesus didn't tell them that they needed to stop tithing. He said they needed to tithe and live according to justice and mercy and faith. Don't neglect one at the expense of the other. Religious barriers operate on the principles of bondage and condemnation, and they're always looking to trap you in your words and your actions. They look for the little that you don't do to condemn you while they live on the overindulgence. Matthew 22, verse 15 says, And the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. They were looking for ways to trap Jesus up. I'm talking about religious leaders. Anybody, is this making sense for you this morning? Maybe this morning you're finding yourself in, in one of these areas. Maybe you're identifying, even in your own heart, a perception of how you interact with yourself or with others who are close to you. John 8, 6 says this. This, they said, testing him. The woman caught in adultery. They, tried, they were testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. They were looking for ways to make accusations against Jesus. They were looking for ways to twist his words. They were looking for ways to condemn him. Number six, religious barriers appear to be outwardly righteous by their actions, but are filthy on the inside. Verse 25 through 26 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the dish in the cup, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. You know, when, we, when I went to China a couple years back, one of the restaurants we went to, they brought out the, uh, it was different, because they, had brought, they brought out the cups, the sauce, and all this plate, and then they brought out this bowl and this hot water, and I'm thinking, I've not, I've, we've not done this before. I've not seen this. So I'm like, what, what are we doing? And it, everything was wrapped in plastic. It was all very nice. You could tell that they were trying to make a nice presentation. And uh, I looked to the person who was hosting me, and I said, what am I supposed to do with this? With the hot water? And what, what do we do? Oh, that's to rinse your dishes. You're, you know, you're going to make, make your dishes clean. I'm like, but they're wrapped in plastic. <laughs> they're, they're clean. I'm sure they're clean. They're all nicely wrapped and packaged. But it was all about the presentation that you had to, had to clean the dish in front of you and make a nice presentation. These religious leaders were more concerned about doing the dishes than they were cleaning up the inside of their heart. They were concerned about their external cleanliness, their actions. In other words, these are the folks who would teach Sunday school and go home and beat their wives. They emphasize and overemphasize actions, righteous actions, religious actions on the outside. But they go home and they cover up their sin. Everybody at church thinks they look good. Everybody at church thinks they act and look holy. But when they get home, it's a different story. It's getting quiet in here. Matthew 15, 7. That's okay. I'm going to keep preaching truth. If you don't respond, I'm just going to keep, I'll keep preaching. It'll get hotter and heavier. It's it's okay. Matthew 15, 7 says, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, they were teaching the rules and regulations of men over the Scripture. Religious, religious actions. They looked good by their actions, but their heart was full of evil. Number seven, the religious barriers 
appeared to be outwardly righteous by their appearance. It wasn't, it not, it wasn't just by their actions. It was also how they appeared. They appeared religious. They looked religious, but they were filthy on the inside. Verse 27 through 28 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outward, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." You're full of rebellion. You are full of sin. You look good. The, the whitewashed tomb on the outside looks pretty. It looks beautiful. But on the inside, you're full of rebellion to authority. They wear the Christian gear. They wear the Christian getup. They have the nice suit. They have the Christian t-shirt. They come to church and they look the part. They carry the Bible. They have the Christian catchphrases down. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> They've got the Christian catchphrases down, and they can quote them like the best of them. They, they got the appearance. They can quote scripture. They look many times. They have more Bible knowledge than you do. But they're full of evil and vile and wicked. They maintain that they are the spiritual authority and that they are the ones that need the following. They count themselves equal with the pastoral leadership and refuse pastoral discipleship or correction because they don't have a problem. They are full of pride. Everyone else is the problem, not them. They're the solution. They refuse personal accountability, but expect everyone else to be accountable. And most of the time, they expect them to be accountable to them. <laughs> They're the authority on accountability. This is religion. This is what the religion... Read, read your Bible. These are the, I'm describing for you the religious leaders. I'm giving you a summary based on Jesus' woes. But if you study the, the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders of the day, this is how they were living and how they treated Jesus. In Matthew 24... Verses 10 through 12, it says, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. They were full of lawlessness. And number eight, religious barriers are murdering at their core. They want to kill you. They want to take you out. They want to shut you up. I would imagine that there might be a few here this morning that want me to be quiet. They wish that I would stop preaching. If you're here this morning and you just are thinking, I want you to stop preaching. I want you to be quiet and go back to your office. This might be, this might indicate, this might be an indicator. <laughs> I'm just preaching truth. Verse 29 says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. In other words, what they were saying is, look at us, we're so great. If we were, if we were living in the day of Isaiah and the prophets, we wouldn't have killed them. We're too good for that. And Jesus basically said, guess what? You're about ready to kill me. And you're about ready to kill. See all, these, see all these guys following me? You're about ready to kill them too. They want, they want to stop at the core. They want to stop the anointing. Jesus came, Christ, Antichrist. What does Christ mean? The anointed one. They wanted to stop the anointing. And that is still the case today. The religious always want to stop the anointing. Anything that is a, a display of power and the presence of God, they want to stop it and shut it down and move it either in the back room or not at all. And they'll stop the person operating at any expense. They don't want you to understand the anointing. They don't want you to flow in the anointing. They don't want you to step into what God has for you. They don't want you to understand the priesthood of the believer. They want to control you. The, the, the essence here, the core of this barrier, this influence is control. They want to be in control. And the anointing messes that up. Because those who are born of the Spirit cannot be controlled. 
John 3.8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. They don't want, they want to control it, but, and, and anything that looks like the anointing, anything that, anything that, you know, the presence of God, speaking in tongues, laying, laying on of hands, the miracles, signs, wonders, I find, my experience has been that worldly people are more accepting of signs and wonders than church people. That you have, you know, they, they may not understand, while Susie, who was just standing, is now laying on the floor, <laughs> they may not understand that, but when you sit down and explain, that's the power of God, look back, you know, one of my favorite, I tell this all the time, but 500 soldiers come to meet arrest Jesus with Judas, and Jesus says two words, I am. 500 soldiers are now laying out all over the ground. Power. They don't like that. The religious don't want that. They don't like that. They have a reason why that shouldn't happen. Well, we, and, and the reason, <laughs> the reason always has to deal with control. Well, we need, we need to be controlled. They don't say it like that. We don't, you know, they, they make it nice and sound religious. <laughs> Luke 4.28, Jesus has stood up in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. He's preached. He's read their mail, and this is the response in Luke 4.28. So all those in the synagogue, you know, we think that that's a great message. The Spirit of the Lord said, yes, Jesus, woo, anointed Jesus. Anoint me, Lord. We quote it. We... This is Jesus. This is the response Jesus got. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. <laughs> Maybe there are some here today. And, and rose up. And thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. And then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. This was day one of his public ministry. I mean, this is like from the get-go. They're trying to kill him. As I said, I don't have time to go into all the, all the rest of the message, but maybe, maybe you've identified this morning, maybe I've helped you shed some light on some religious barriers in your life. Maybe, just, just maybe, the Holy Spirit has come this morning through the preaching of the Word and has illuminated maybe some perspectives in your own heart. When God begins to speak to you and you say, mm, I, I can't do that, I'm not... I, God doesn't love me. I could never. Is that a religious mindset that's starting to rise up? Well, I've got to go to church and put on a good show. I got to go. I got to go worship like everything's okay. I got to go act like everything's okay at the church, but I'm I'm miserable on the inside. I'm going to go act and tell everybody I'm okay. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> But on the inside, you're miserable. I worship you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And then you leave and go live like the devil. That's religion. The religious mindset says, well, I came and I checked the box. I gave in the offering. I worshiped. I even went down to the altar and laid on the floor. I'm good. Do you know that you can come to church? You can, ex- you can experience the presence of God in this building. You can get touched by God. You can lay on the floor. You can laugh like a hyena. You can cry and repent or do a show of repentance. You can cry, do the show of repentance. You can... You can do all of it. You might even get healed. You might even experience a miracle. And leave and go live like the devil. 
and be so tied up in religious bondage. Now, you, you might be sitting here today and thinking, Pastor, you've just condemned me. You've made me feel horrible like I'm a wretched fool. I'm going to hell with the rest of the Pharisees. That's religion. That's a relig- that in itself is a religious response. Go back to description number one. They talk about God but don't love Him. Because if you really had the love of God in your heart, you would hear echoing in your ear right now, those whom I love, I chastise. Those whom I love, He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in liberty. He doesn't want you bound up in religious muck and mire. He doesn't want you bound up in all of the garbage of your past. He doesn't want, listen, I know how this goes. You may have been brought up in a, in a church background. There might be some here today, you've been brought up in a church background where it was all about your religious outward actions. It was all about checking the checkbox. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit to wash that clean. It's time, listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing the good, good acts, religious acts. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But what's wrong is that you're living in bondage to religious rules, rites, and rituals that carry no anointing. It's all attempts to get to God based on what God did in the past and has nothing to do with what God is saying or doing today in your life. God moved or did something a certain way in the past, and so let's hit repeat. Let's Let's make that a ritual. Jesus called it a commandment of men. We, <laughs> growing up, let me give you an example. And hopefully this won't go too far. My wife will throw something at me if it does. <laughs> let me give you an example. And I can use this as an example because I don't think we've seen this here. <laughs> Had this religious demon rise up here yet. Thank the Lord. <laughs> um, but, but growing up, I grew up, in a, I grew up in a church, very traditional, very, very traditional Assembly of God church. I know you probably can't tell that, but I, I grew up in a very, tradi- very traditional, very traditional Assembly of God church. And we had, we had, um, you know, we had the red carpet. You all that have been around AG world for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Had, they all had red carpet. It was red or green. And everything was wood. We had hardwood pews. We weren't as blessed as y'all. We had hard, I mean, we had hardwood pews. <laughs> I, I bet those things are still there to this day. They probably have not gone anywhere. But, and that's not really what I was getting at. But we had, we had these altars. We had, we had altars around the front, the prayer altars. And, you know, we were all taught, if you were going to pray through, you had to come grab hold of the horns of the altar. Well, we all knew, you know, that was an Old Testament reference. But I never saw any horns on our altars. Thank the Lord. That would have been (laughs) rough. (laughs) That would have been rough. But regardless, we had had these altars, and they were were nice altars. Well, when, when the stage got redone, the question was, well, what do we do with the altars? Those altars, you know, we need, we're updating. We got to keep those altars. Those altars, I mean, they've got tears on those altars. And we got to keep those altars. And those altars are precious, precious altars. We're going to keep the altars. And so what they do? They built new altars around the old altars. They encased the old altars. So the old altars were still there. They were just encased with new altars. I'm serious. I am not making this up. I am not making this up. Some of your eyes just got, what? Yes. Yes. And those altars could not move. We had, and it, it, was, it was, the devil came to church when it was time to move those altars. The devil came. We had, we had these thrones, these nice 
wood high back thrones that the pastor would sit in. Like, I mean, he looked like he was a king. God help us. I'm so glad those days are gone. <laughs> but can I tell you, those, those thrones could not get moved because that, that was where the anointed man of God sat. And the pastor, that had nothing to do with the pastor. It was, it was leaders in the church that had a problem with it. Now listen, I fully value, I fully value those things. And I thank God for altars and thrones. I'm sure they were comfortable chairs. Our pastor was well taken care of. Thank the Lord. I thank God. And I, I, value, I value those things. And I, and I realize that there's an element in some of these things where, where the anointing you know, where you start talking about Peter's shadow and you, you start talking about Paul's handkerchiefs, that, that the anointing becomes resident on some of those things. I understand that. But we don't worship those things. And I'm not saying that anyone here does this. I'm just, I'm giving you an example. This is a, this is a, and obviously it's more of an extreme religious mindset. But, but those, are, those are the types of things, those, those mentalities, those perspectives that will hinder us from moving forward into what God has for us, individually and corporately. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Now that I have fully entertained you today. <laughs> My silly stories. I've, I've got a bunch of them. I can tell you all sorts of stories. I would give... Give me a drug addict or a prostitute any day over a religious demon. <laughs> any day. I want you to walk in the freedom of God in 2017. I, I don't want you to have to carry condemnation and guilt. I don't want you to have to carry... That's, that is exhausting. Can I just be Pastor Zach for a second? Can I just be daddy for a moment? That is exhausting to have to, to put on a show to look spiritual and live like the devil. It's exhausting to live like the devil anyway. I mean, anybody who has, has been born again knows that. I mean, I don't have to... I mean, that, that's exhausting. Who wants to do that? It's doubly exhausting to act one way in church and act another. I mean, if you want to live like the devil, go live like the devil. Did he just say that? Yeah, I just said that. I tell people that all the time. If you want to live in sin, go live in sin. Make your heart merry. Go eat, drink, and be merry. It won't last. You're going to be right back in my office in a month, a couple years, whatever. You'll be back, but go. Have fun. Figure it out. I think sometimes, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I do this? I think I can do this. I could say this because I, you know, I grew up in church. I grew, I grew up in a, in a, I grew up in church. And I think sometimes people, this is a good word for somebody here this morning. I think sometimes, and I'm stepping out on a, very big faith step here. But I think sometimes people who grow up in church or have been in church for long periods of time, this, and this is not a suggestion of any, I seriously feel this as a word of encouragement for someone today. I think what happens sometimes is we feel like If you've grown up in church, again, I'm, you've been in church for a long period of time, it's okay, honey. Is that you, you start to think that your sin is okay. You start to think that your sin is okay. You start to think that, that you're gossiping or you're lying or or your, your mask that you wear, or your whatever, fill in the gap, is, is somehow better than someone who's an alcoholic, is somehow better than someone who's 
a homosexual is somehow better than I'm just speaking truth. This this is liberating. This is liberating when you hear this message with your spiritual ears. When you hear it, it is liberating because you no longer are trying to perform to gain approval. You understand that God loves you just how you are. You are a mess. You have issues. There's junk on the inside of your heart. It is full of everything vile and evil. And it is God working it all out in you. But you don't have to put on a show for everybody. You don't have to create a bunch. You don't have to tell. You don't have to come tell me that you have to pray three hours a day and read ten chapters in the Bible to be spiritual. I'm happy if you'll read one word in the Bible if it means that you continue it for the next 365 days. If it means you read one sentence a day for the next 365 days, praise the Lord. It's more than what you were doing. Do I want you to read 10 chapters? I love it. But let me know how that works for you. Just start. Just get started. Don't put the religious barriers on yourself. Thank you, Lord. Well, I don't pray in tongues. That's another good one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He knows your thoughts. Well, I don't pray in tongues. That's okay. You're still going to heaven if you're born again. Just because you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you're going to hell. It means that there's more for you. And reality check. There's always more for you in God. (laughs) So it's okay. And if you feel like you're part of the have-nots because you don't pray in tongues or fall on the floor, that's religion. That's religion. Just be who God created you to be. And I, I, I would guess... This is just a pastoral guess. I'm just being very real. I'm just being very real. If this is offending somebody, you're probably number eight on the description list. But if you feel like you've got to do those things or someone's expecting you to do those things to be spiritual, that's religion. My guess is that when you relax, stop striving, and just be who God has made you to be, my guess is you probably will get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you probably will fall and roll on the floor and laugh like a hyena and find yourself annihilated in the presence of God. Because you're no longer trying to be something you're not. You're just enjoying God. Just delighting yourself in God. Okay, one last example, and then I'll be quiet. Stop worshiping like that. You're making a scene. You're making a spectacle. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever started to lose yourself in delighting in God and you heard yourself say, somebody's watching you? Or come down to the altar. They're watching you. They're going to think. That's all religion. Let me help you. I'm going I'm to help you right now. Nobody is watching you. If they are, they're religious, and they got their, they're stuck. And they don't matter anyway. They don't matter anyway. They're religious. Nobody's watching. The only person that's probably watching you is our security team. And thank God they're watching. Probably the only people that are watching. They're the only ones that care to serve is what people are doing. Other than that, enter in. Delight yourself in the Lord. And if you're worried about the security team, that we probably do need to watch you. I mean, I'm like, whatever. Just step in. Just step in. Let the Lord touch you. Let him change you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you that we can have fun in church. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to be stuck and religious. <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to talk a certain way or act a certain way or 
look a certain way. Lord, you're changing us. You're changing us. You're rearranging the details of our lives to look more and more like you. Lord, I pray for my friends here today that maybe are struggling with a religious perspective. Maybe they're facing religious barriers. Lord, I'm asking that over the course of the next weeks ahead in their life that they'll begin to shed off, to lay aside these religious barriers, these religious perspectives, and they'll begin to put on Christ. They'll be clothed with Christ. They'll walk in the fullness of Christ. They'll be rooted and grounded in the truth and not led astray by uh, the, the wisdom of man and the false teachings and doctrines and commandments of men and perspectives and, and ideas of other people. Lord, that they'll walk in newness of life that they've, that they've been called to. God, that they'll walk, they'll walk in what you've paid for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They don't have to be controlled by the opinions of others and the religious ideas of others. Lord, they can walk in freedom. Lord, that by your justification, the word loved was stamped over them. By your justification, you approved them. You accepted them. And you've brought them in, adopted them in as sons and daughters. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless your people, Lord, as we go today. Lord, I pray for your blessing on them as we go. Lord, you'd bless their homes, bless their businesses. Lord, let overflow, let your presence overflow in all that they set their hands to do. Lord, I pray that they would, this coming week, would find the sweetness of fellowship with believers. Lord, that they would look, begin to look to build those relationships and look to build spiritual relationships that are healthy, that are not in bondage, but are healthy. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so Thank you for joining the Celebration podcast. For more information,